Do you have a passion to serve? And whom are you serving? Stay tuned to find out. Okay, here's the question. How are we dark horses? You know, the ones everyone is betting against, the ones they don't expect to win, place, or even show on the track, and they'll even laugh on us when we talk about trying. How do we show the world our greatness and triumph? Well, that's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. This is The Dark Horse Entrepreneur. My name is... Tracy Brinkman. What is up? What is up? What is up, my dark horse friends and family? Welcome back to your weekly dose of passionate service learning. I am your dark horse host, Tracy Brinkman. And you, well, that, my friend, is infinitely more important. You are a driven entrepreneur or a business owner, or perhaps you're one in the making. Either way, you're here because you're ready to start, restart, kickstart, just start leveling up with some great marketing, personal, or business tips and results in order to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. And now, I know I say this every week, and every week I fully believe it. This is a big episode. Today, Timothy Rantham shares a wealth of knowledge on having a passion to serve, finding the right role and the right person. He reminds us that we better be willing to do things ourselves and as well as the value of sticking to your guns and having that unwavering conviction to your values and principles. Plus, I'm going to let you in a little sneak peek on next week's interview guest who's a best-selling author, speaker, podcast host, Iraqi war veteran, as well as being a dark horse entrepreneur. As per usual, the dark horse crowds are chock full of personal business and marketing G-O-L-D spilling from every corner of the dark horse entrepreneur HQ. Well, my tongue, my eye teeth got tripped over my tongue and I couldn't see what I was saying. So let's get to the starting gates and go. All right, my dark horse friends and family. Today's guest is none other than Timothy Rantham. Tim is a former business executive and management consultant. He served in the vice president and directorship roles for multiple Fortune 100 and 500 companies that all specialized in manufacturing, technology, finance, education, supply chain service, and delivery, as well as call center operations. Currently, Timothy Rantham is an American consultant and politician serving the Wisconsin State Assembly representing Hartford, Kewaskum, and neighboring towns of um, Calumet, I want to make sure I say that right, Sheboygan, Fond du Lac, and Washington counties. All right, Mr. Rantham, thank you so much for coming on, and welcome to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur, my friend. I'm so glad to be here, Tracy. Thanks for having me, and it was a pleasure meeting you a couple of weeks back up in Green Bay. So thanks for following through on what you suggested at that time. Oh, absolutely. I was actually moved by your story as I was listening to you tell your story, which I'm going to ask you to retell here. Uh, I was like, okay, I'm, I have to share this message with with my listeners, and then maybe we can allude to that phone call that you got, you know, unless you're trying to keep that on the down low, right? So... <laughs> No, it's it's uh, it's part of the process, I guess. When when you get phone calls from uh, people in special places that mm-hmm. want to uh, help me make a difference, but to your initial uh, inquiry, Tracy, um, I don't really know where to begin. If it's before my public service or or since I've been in this role, but let me tell you this to start. I uh, I have a very strong sense of passion 
to serve, to, to do for and represent the people that make up our great country, our great republic. And in my, my family, my grandfather, my maternal grandfather was a doctor. Uh, I've got a couple of medical professionals in my family as well. So the service uh, element, I think, is in my DNA. Literally, it's in my yeah. DNA. So having said that, um, I've always had an interest in governance. Uh, I think back uh, in, when I was in the first grade, that's, that's when JFK was assassinated. So if you do the math, uh, yeah, I'm in my 60s. But I'm anyway, with you. Um, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. I, I, ha- I remember wondering about that type of work. I wondered about what it did and, 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 and time went on and I, I studied on it and I learned it and I wanted to do it. Well, then, you know, I got older and I got into high school and, and college and then I, I met uh, the uh, love of my life and we got married and had kids and the mortgage payment and, and things kind of landed more in the private sector of my mm-hmm. life. And in those roles, I was a servant as well, where I, I wanted to be where, where operational service delivery met the paying customer. So I was always about efficiency, quality, cost effectiveness, return on investment, value, that kind of stuff. So um, I did that for four and a half decades. And I got to a point in my life where I felt I missed my calling and missed my turn. And uh, a school board position opened up for my local school district. Um, and I threw my head in the ring. I, I thought, you know, this could work better and this could be more efficient if we had somebody in there who really cared about making it more efficient. Right. And, and that drove me to want to get into politics because everywhere you go, whether it's local school board or, or village or town or county or state level or federal government, people have a lot of criticism about governance and, and they rank, rate it pretty low, like in the 20s or the teens as far mm-hmm. as people who support it. And that's a problem for me because it, it's a necessity. You got to have governance, or you'll you won't have you'll have civil disobedience. You'll have lawlessness. Yeah. You'll have you'll have crisis, right? So we need governance. So then it comes down to right person, right role, right time. And if you get the people who really understand what the representation word is, doesn't matter if it's senator, or president, or representative. You're a representative. You represent people who elect you to represent them in the seat. Okay. So you got to find right person, right role, who never forgets that, first of all, the definition of representation. And secondly, to maintain their focus on serving of, by, and for the people. That's what this is all about. It's not about lining your pockets, not about favor. It's not about um, money and and position and power. It's about making a difference and achieving the necessities required to, to accomplish what we need in our societies at all levels. Okay. Right. Get a little in the weeds here, but, but so, so the school board thing happened and this is back in, in 2011, 2010, 2011. Um, I first ran for the state position that I'm currently in now in 2014. I started 10 weeks after the fact, the seat had opened up. The previous guy was in it for 12 years. He was stepping on. It was an open seat. I thought, well, I'm going to give that a shot. And I started 10 weeks after everybody else in, in politics. Sometimes it's not good because people can get their message out. And okay, I'm done. I, I know who I'm going to vote for. And it's not you because I already heard this guy and kind of yeah. things. So right. I, didn't, I didn't make it. I, I came. I went from fifth place to second place. Mm, okay. Last guy to throw in. And I just about got to the point. If I had another couple of weeks, maybe I could have pulled it off because I worked hard to earn that. And it didn't happen. And I thought, okay, that was my shot. I'll, um, 
I, I won't be doing it anymore. Well, then the seat opened up again in 2018 mm. and I wasn't going to run, but I'll throw a little of my, my spiritual values and my beliefs in here. The Lord had spoken to me in 14. I thought I was going to win then because he was asking me to run. Well, I didn't. So then when he came back in 2018 to run again, I thought, well, we've had this conversation before. It didn't work. I'm not right. doing that. Well, he ended up talking me into doing it again. I can't, I'll do it up by and, and for the people, and I'll do it for you and your glory, and that's it. And uh, I ran, um, and I just did doors. All I did was 6,900 and change, 6,942 doors I did by myself because I'm the candidate. I didn't farm it out to anybody, staff or other people to come. I campaigned every door myself. I hit every place I could within my district, which is very long and narrow in Wisconsin. And um, I think I spent about 475 bucks. <laughs> Vista print prints out these really nice cards. They're about the size of a credit card. I put my face on the front with a little slogan on the back. I said, here's what you get if you vote for Rampton. And I went out and I did 6,942 doors. Um, I was a cheap date. All I had to do was put gas in my car and it's hundred bucks for, for print cards. But anyway, um, nice. I got into the role because the Lord wanted me to be here for such a time as this. Mm -hmm. um, I've had trial and tribulation as a school board member because I'm very conservative and I'm very focused on fiscal responsibility and, and execution and, and structure. And I want rules followed. And, and if anybody violates rules or regulation, there's got to be something that you do about it up to and including accountability on the person, all of that stuff. Right. So I've, I've, I went through some learning curves with uh, the people actually went through the learning curve. I wasn't going to change. I never do. I, I'm, you can hold a gun to my head and it won't change my vote. I mean, I have conviction, I have principle and I'm very structured and strong that way. Anyway, uh, that materialized into this opportunity and I'm kind of, kind of doing the same thing here. I, I know that governance can be better mm -hmm. and I know it should be better. And I know it needs to be better. And, and I'm going to try to be part of that. So that's why I decided to run. So that takes me to, I'm in the role now. I'm, I'm, I'm in my second term, the first year of my second term. Uh, fa fairly new, but frankly, I'm not new at all because this stuff here is a lot of the cultural challenges I faced for four and a half decades in the private sector. Different companies, different industries, different cultures. You got you to be able to deal with ambiguity. You got to be able to deal with, with uh, the hidden acts and, and surprises and the agendas that people have in, in business. And, and it's even worse here in the public sector. And I don't know why, because if everybody maintained their focus on representation of the people, it should be for them. Mm -hmm. And when it's not, that's when you get into the, the, the nefarious areas of concern that people have right. about government. So, but I don't accept money. For my donation i don't take donations for my campaign i gave some money back last year due to covid i had received some initially at like seven eight hundred dollars or something uh, far short of what i needed to even report and uh, i ended up giving it back to the people because of covid i wasn't going to spend it and if i have to spend money to be in this job then i don't know if i don't know if i want the job because mm -hmm. i don't want i don't want any influence factor to cloud my vision on why I'm here. So I don't sure. want to be, I don't want to be inner circle favoritism guy involved with people who have titles like speaker. Majority. I don't care about getting close to that because that's where problems start. I don't want to be, I don't get involved in the fear factors and well, if I don't do this, 
I won't get something. I won't. This will be bad for me. I don't care. I don't. I don't want anything in this job other than to serve. I don't need a chair. I don't need to be favored, and I don't get close to money. So that's uh, that's how I feel about my job here today, and and I've been very active uh, to maintain that. Nice. So, now, yeah, I, I, the, actually, a question just popped up as you were saying that last bit there. You know, and I, I appreciate you you having those firm convictions and, and, and principles. It's a, almost hard to find nowadays, it seems. Unwavering. Like. Unwavering, unwavering yeah. right? Because uh, I know there's plenty of folks who have those, but it seems like many of them become easier swayed than uh, maybe two, three decades ago. I don't know. Maybe it's just my viewpoint. But have you have you considered the the flip side of the of the same thing you were saying? Hey, you, you don't need a chair, you don't need to be speaker because you're just here to serve the people. Have you ever thought about if you, with that unwavering conviction in principle, had one of those chairs or had that speaker role, you could actually impact? Maybe I don't want to say more because I know you're having impact, but you know what I'm saying. Maybe you can almost set the example here. This is how it can be done. Well. Uh- Interesting question and a great lead into uh, a further comment about my conviction. I agree with you. Uh, I am humbly speaking, talking about myself is not easy for me. I I understand. I, I could talk about you till I'm blue in the face, but don't ask me to speak about myself, right? I um, I would tell you that in in my private sector history, I was revered for what I could do in a short period of time I was given. I could work with any situation, take understanding what I had to deal with and where I needed to go. I could always make it better. And I, I was sought out by other companies after my reputation of, they used to call me Dr. Ramson and, and I don't have a master's. Um, so, or PhD rather, I, I, I could go into any industry, any culture, any company and, I could address through tools, organization, process, people, human resources, and finance, and audit. I could raise the bar. Mm-hmm. So could I do that here in the public sector? Absolutely. If I were speaker and or governor, for example, mm-hmm. things would be transpiring quite differently around here because I'm I'm focused on laser focused on results. I'm, I have a high sense of urgency on time, not just for me personally, but for our society, for the people there's need 24, seven, 365. There's dated issues that shouldn't be dated. People come into this environment and they take the summer off mm-hmm. after the budgets passed the first year of the session in June, they take off until September, October. I was here three plus days every week since June up until this moment as I speak to you because it's the job to be here, to be close to the constituents, to work with my staff, to work on bills, to work on initiatives. You, you can't take vacation because the issues don't take vacations. So, right. Um, so I'm working on election integrity right now, which I think was part of your second inquiry. You were wondering what mm-hmm. I was doing now. And, and to kind of answer your first point, I'm setting the example, I believe, of leadership, what leadership should look like when you're in a crisis situation. It's funny how, how leaders are, aren't born, essentially, or maybe they are born, I don't know, but a situation will determine 
who's got it and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. Who can step up and deal with anything when when the time comes and, and when the call is heard? Uh, that's me, so I'm told. And, and I have a passion to do more with this, but I'm handcuffed, so to speak, because I'm not the chair of a committee for campaign elections specifically. I'm not the speaker. I'm not the governor. Uh, but if I were any one of those, a lot more would be getting done. And, and if I were speaker, minimally, we would have already reclaimed our electoral college ballots because we have shown fraud in this state and we have a reason to ask the question. And I would not obstruct due process for the people. So that's another thing I would do. I, I, you know, there's certain things that you don't want to consider in politics, but when it comes to the will of the people, you can't be conditional. And that's what goes on around here. And, and a lot of it's for optics. A lot of it's for political reasons. It's a lot of it for personal reasons. And I would also add to your listeners and anyone else watching that, you know, if you weren't involved in something nefarious and or illegal, you wouldn't be so reluctant to answer the questions and remove the conjecture and remove the conspiracy elements. You'd want to resolve it so mm-hmm. you can move on. So it, to me, it begs the question. If I've got people in this building, leadership and otherwise, that don't want to talk about election integrity. Why? Because if we have evidence that fraud occurred and illegalities took place up to and including violation of state law 12.13 subsection 2 sub 7 sub Baker, we have people admitting they broke the law. What are we supposed to do? Ignore that? Right. And you know what's ironic too, Tracy, is you turn around and people say, let's say to me and my colleagues, we're lawmakers. There's 132 uh, legislative uh, members down here, 132, 33 in the Senate, 99 in the Assembly. We're lawmakers. So we create laws through legislation and the governor signs them and, you know, they have to be followed, right? Why is there exception to certain laws not being followed and being okay? To me, every law should be followed. It should has a purpose and there should be punitive elements involved. And that doesn't seem to happen with elections. Everybody's like, well, there's nothing to see here. When quite frankly, there's everything to see here. They just don't want to talk about it. And I, and I'm not exactly sure why I hope it's not about my focus is process. I want, I want the execution of our elections routine from, from ballots to chain of custody to machines, everything, the, 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 the voter lists, everything from, from, I'm thinking nationally now, I shouldn't probably do that. I should sure. just think, think locally to Wisconsin, but the Wisville database is antiquated and corrupted with irrelevant data, the data that could be used and hacked essentially and, and legitimize a, a fraudulent or ghost ballot. And then right after the election, turn that record back to inactive. I mean, I don't know how you trace that, but access to the Wistful database is, is huge. 3,138 people had that and uh, for during the election for 2020. 3,138 people had access to that. And anybody from any county, from let's say Racine, could log into Eau Claire County and look at their data and they could change it. Now, Ooh. minimally, minimally, if you have access as a clerk, whether you're a county clerk or your municipal clerk or some other clerk aides, that's where the 3,138 come from from the whole state. Minimally, they shouldn't be able to get outside their county. Right. Their, their, their restriction should be at the county level. It's not. The data is all in one file. The inactive people are mixed in with the active people. That's mm. crazy stuff. And they're all on the same server. So for protection reasons and security reasons, 
having them all in the same silo is really bad too. So there's three key things we need to do with that element. But I got a little into the weeds on that, Tracy, but um, my, my focus is to try to resolve issues that cause problems and the election integrity issue is a big problem. It's the number one concern in the state. It's not going to go away. The people who are concerned about it are not fringe people. They're not crazy or off the rails. And as a servant of by and for the people, the only thing I want is closure on the right. concerns so the trust can be returned so that people can go to the polls, whether it be in April of 2022 for the spring elections or next November for the midterms and the, gu the gubernatorial race and or in 2024. Right. Well, we have another presidential race. You think there's gonna, it's going to be quiet? You think people aren't going to wonder about how things are going to go in 2024 if we don't fix 2020? Yeah. They're well, not going to. They're not. Yeah. Gonna go there's going to be well, there's going to be so many people that if this doesn't get resolved, that aren't even going to go to the polls. I mean, going to be they're going to be all like, why even bother? At well, this point? And, and, and and I hear that statement everywhere. And, and Tracy, I would tell you, my party would say, well, that's the worst thing you can do. Then you're going to give the the victory to the Democrats. Well, then solve the problem. Right. You're now listening to, to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. Take action on the issues that they have with concern and resolve that so you don't have to wonder if they're going to go and vote. But to sit back and think it's going to go away if you don't talk about it, mm -hmm. that's ludicrous and that's not leadership. And that's no. why I've been poking this thing and I don't care what title I have down here other than rep. I'm still going to poke this thing because it needs to be addressed it needs closure, and uh, so help me God, I'm going to make sure I do everything I can to help that happen. So, Amen. Now, uh, you're working on a bill, or you have a bill that's already in process. I remember uh, during your uh, your your talk up there in Green Bay, you were you were talking through that piece of it. Well, I think the 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 reference that you're making to bill is a resolution resolution thank you the res yeah the resolution is to basically call for the reclaiming of the 10 electoral ballots that were certified um improperly right uh, in 2020 now that after the election on november 3rd of 2020 then there's the whole um, i forget the term like the canvassing thing happens and the and the verification of the numbers and then somewhere between november 3rd and december 14th the state through the Wisconsin Elections Commissions and the governor sign off on the state, the state election was certified. Well, they shouldn't have signed off uh, before December 14th, but they did. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I, I'm basically contesting that because there was fraud and we've proven the fraud and it did modify and change the outcome of the election. We should have never certified. So let's pull our 10 electoral college ballots back. No, that, that that went out to the entire body on the 17th or 18th of 17th of November. And um, I'm still looking for a Senator to sign on to that. Okay. And, and the reason there's a technical reason I do and a technical reason I don't, the reason I need a Senator is to help compound the support in the other house so that I can get, uh, have a better chance to have it heard in either house. The, the resolution is an assembly resolution that can be heard in the Senate if, it, if it's supported by a senator. And then I could just have it concurred in the assembly and it could pass. Um, I haven't gotten an official senator yet to sign on to it. It's been about two weeks now today, I think, two weeks today. Uh, I do know, however, that there are more than one 
uh, interested. And I have, at this point in time, reached out to constitutional attorneys within the nation. Not, I, 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 I saw a comment from the Legislative Council group here for the state of Wisconsin, which is 24 attorneys that work on behalf of the legislature, mm-hmm. called Leg Council. They put out a memo basically refuting my ask as well as supportive documentation from an attorney in Michigan by the name of Matt DePerno and basically saying uh, what Rampton's asking for isn't valid and um, there is no mechanism to make this happen. So now what, what happened then was everybody here for the most part, all of my colleagues are saying, well, Ledge Council is saying it can happen and there's no mechanism. So that's what we're going to say. Well, there's no mechanism because this is unprecedented, historic, and, and the founding fathers did not build in the specific tool you would need to make a reclaiming of the ballots, but they did qualify it in the Constitution, Article 2, Section 1, um, Clause 2 of the Constitution states the, the plenary authority of the legislature to do this does exist in the Constitution. It doesn't give the specific mechanism, but then it says if you take an action with whatever mechanism you come up with, which would be like the resolution, mm-hmm. you, you then if enough states were to say we're going to do the same thing that Wisconsin did, well, then you have a president who is in the seat that doesn't have 270 electoral votes. Uh. Um, and then once it's 269 or less, well, then that decision would move to Congress, specifically to the House of Representatives. And all, all the House of Representatives, 435 people, right? They represent all 50 states. Well, then every state would get one vote. And uh-huh. that's, what we, that's what we would determine the residual effect of, of reclaiming your ballots if multiple states did it. I'm not there. I'm back to Wisconsin saying we had an election. It was fraudulent. It's been proven. Fraud vitiates everything. First, vitiates the contract between legislature and the Wisconsin Election Commission to, to, to run it, which they didn't do right. They fraudulently did it. They broke the law willingly, right. knowingly they broke the law. So we're going to take that authority back. We're going to uh, reclaim our ballots because they never should have been certified. And then we're done. Then we're done. What happens after that depends on other states. If nothing happens with other states, then nothing happens. But if something happens with other states, then something happens. I'm okay with either way. I do know that I need to end this here. And, and then, by the way, an audit would be nice so that we would continue to investigate and peel back the details of, of where the specific areas of fraud took place and then make sure we address those in future elections, whether it's legislatively, oversight, oversight, yeah, something like that. So this is a moving thing. It's, it's evolving as every day goes by, but I'm tell you what, I'm sick and tired. I am sick and tired of the obstruction and the reluctance to do the right thing for the people. This is not the way governance should work. And, and you know, to have members of my own party, you know, say things disparaging to me or about me is crap too, because I'm not doing anything to hurt people. Their inaction is what's causing their pain because Mm -hmm. their constituents are, are upset with them for not doing something, trying to work with Tim. Work with the Rampton initiative. You know, no, it's, it's not valid. And Ledge Council said it, there's no mechanism, so we're just going to ignore it. But that's the wrong attitude to have because if you're not can-do in this unprecedented historic moment in time, you can't ever get to a, a place of closure. So I'm all for whatever it takes. I'm all for throwing stuff up against the wall and see what sticks. Um, to, to not try is is 
the far greater injustice here. I got to. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. To, to sit idly by is, is is not a way to go. Do you think that there are other states sitting there waiting to see what Wisconsin does? Well, I I think yes. <laughs> I know I do know Arizona. Of course, they did the a physical audit first right. with Cyber Ninjas, and then they presented their uh, damages, if you would, their their, their uh, allegations and their fraud proof to the attorney general, which is a Republican as well. So they have a better chance of that being heard. Well, that's been 65, almost 70 days ago. And I don't know what's taken so long. So, mm-hmm. so Arizona's doing something. I know Michigan is, is, is really turning up the heat right now. And they've got some uh, very strong initiatives going on. It's going to push for an audit there as well. And ultimately, perhaps doing the same thing that I proposed. My, my resolution memo went everywhere. I mean, I think all 50 states took a look at it, to be honest with you. I know President Trump got a hold of it. And uh, he did comment um, uh, in a press release, which I appreciate greatly. And also um, he called my office and Mm -hmm. left a message here, which I I saved. I thought that was a pretty special thing. But I'll tell you on on an honest note, and if he was listening right now, I tell him to his face, thank you very much for taking the time to call me. And I appreciate your press release, but I've got unfinished business here. I've got to get this thing done. So my focus is not about how it looks to me. This is not about it's not about anything like that. It's about addressing the, the illegalities of an election process. To me, Tracy, this is an affront on our constitution. It's, it's a national security issue that we can't ignore. And that's why my sense of urgency and my focus is so strong because this is like Pearl Harbor on steroids to me. Yeah. This is a big deal. Yeah, this is the, I, I think this is one of the things that's diffused that can light something good or it could light something bad to blow up in our faces, right? I'm not sure I, I follow you on the bad part. What 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 did you mean by that? Well, and, and, and if we sit there and do nothing, you're still lighting the fuse. You're just lighting a different fuse of a, of a bomb that could blow up in your face in April, in 2024, you, that where, where the corruption can continue. Um, if you believe there's corruption involved, which we, we've seen, there is some in all the uh, the results we've seen that have come forth so far. Well, more than some. Well, right. And you don't, and you don't need all of the fraud. You just need some fraud. So right. we're, we're taking pieces of it. The Racine County Sheriff's investigation was incredibly revealing. And by the way, to make that clear, uh, clarity point. So in Racine County alone, one county out of 72 in the state, right? Mm-hmm. The Wisconsin Election Commission gave directive to the minute, to the county clerk and to the municipal clerks on how to break the law. Mm. They did it in all 72 counties. So you compound that to be comprehensive for the whole state. And the only seat that was on the ballot for every county in the state of Wisconsin was the presidential election seat. So this is presidential election specific, mm-hmm. in all 72 counties of our entire state. And it was because Wisconsin election commission gave illegal directives on how to fraudulently allow for ballots to be cast. That is the fraud that encompassed our state. That one thing alone vitiates everything. And it's reason for me to ask the question, mm-hmm. do you want our electoral ballots back? So my, my colleagues don't see it that way uh, because I think they're told not to, because alleged council memo should not be 
the one all be all end all. Um, I've got uh, legal uh, opinions coming from national levels of constitutional attorneys that know the constitution. And when I get that in my hand, I'm going to make that public as well. And I'm going to revisit the push for reclaiming the balance right now. It's a little, little a little quietness here because I did put it out. There was some, you know, comments made in a press release by the, by the majority leader, who's not going to listen to her tonight. He's not going to bring up the resolution, but when I get some more supporting evidence that this is the right thing to do for the people, um, I think it's going to be an interesting time. I'm looking forward to what happens with that. Yeah. I'm going to be keeping an eye on that too. So uh, the last part I, I want to make sure I ask you, and I, I know you probably get asked this a lot. Well, you actually do. Cause you told me you did. How can, the average Joe Schmo Jane Doe help, right? We're just sitting here in our homes going, oh my God, he's right. I totally believe you. How can we chip in? What steps can we take to, to offer you any assistance whatsoever? Well, first of all, I want to say something about communications. The awareness element, I try to get ahead on here. In, in my office every week, I do a video called the Rampton Report. Mm-hmm. It's on YouTube, Rumble, and Telegram. And I also do an e-update, which is an email text that has links to Rampton Report the previous week, as well as uh, other things going on. I try to do two communications, and, and they're not the same topics. So people are getting two, three, four, six things per week, a couple, three from the video, a couple, three from the e-update. They're getting a lot of, like, oh, here's what it's like to be representative of Rampton right now. Right. So that one thing they can do is stay tuned with the Rantham report on one of those three channels. I prefer rumble and telegram because they don't censor. Um, the other thing I would do to answer your question is we've got um, a process where people are sending emails into state representatives and state senators here, asking them to see the light on the necessity for um, this election issue and to, to help support the, uh, the question of reclaiming the ballots. Now, auto, auto returns or auto replies, rather, on email it doesn't seem to be uh, very helpful because it's a dismissive response that says it's not valid and there's no mechanism and uh, who knows, maybe Rampton's just doing it for, for publicity, which is right. crap, which is crap, okay? I don't yeah. know if crap's okay to say on your show, but it's- No, one absolutely. <laughs> one of my favorite words when I have to talk about crap. But anyway- um, so my suggestion would be to contact the respective uh, representatives and or senators and ask for five minutes on their calendar. And when you ask for time on their calendar, you either do it on the phone or in person, but you're talking to the, to the, to the legislator. Mm-hmm. You're not talking to staff. If you send an email, it could go into a, a box and they could do an auto reply. No one ever sees you never really get closure on your inquiry mm-hmm. or your statement. So be a little bit more thorough and make the call and ask for time on the calendar. Um, the last thing too, I heard, I just got this today. I didn't know that, but there was a, a telethon thing this weekend um, that uh, Mike Lindell had put on. I don't remember where he hosted it from, but there's a website out there. Are you there yet? Yep. I'm here. Oh, I saw you looking down. And- I was, I'm typing a note here about the Mike Lindell thing. So I can oh, look yeah. it up. Uh, there's a there's a Frank Speech website apparently where you can go. Is it www.frankspeech? Okay, so it's www.frankspeech.com, and there's a, a, a Wisconsin um, 
link on there, a Wisconsin call to action element. And you can uh, click on there too, and it gives a little bit of an information on who you can call. It's got all the names of the senators, uh, de Democrats, as well as Republicans. The push is more for the Senate side so we can get the other house, apparently. I didn't know this was happening, by the way, till this morning. It was brought to my attention nice. from my staff. But I, I didn't ask for this. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't any part of that. It happened um, on their own accord because of the action I took with asking the question that made the press that the president responded to. So apparently uh, those individuals involved in that event last weekend um, did that on their website. I was asked to do an interview and I was on at 5.30 on Saturday night and I was with uh, Neil, I forget his last name, but he's front of that Lumberjack uh, podcast and is also Marcus D. Um, he is, was part of the interview and there was a third individual by the name of Brian, but I've never met Brian before, but um, he was on the call as well. And we did 30 minutes on Saturday night and talked a little bit about election integrity as well. So nice. Uh, apparently I'm, I'm the only one that's pushing forward in the country right now, as far as reclaiming ballots, but I hope I don't end up being the only one. I hope it's more. I, I know there's lots of people out there at, at varying levels screaming the same thing that you're, that you're discussing. So I'm, I'm with you. I hope you're not the only one. I, I think behind the scenes, you're probably not, but we have to get them out from behind the scenes and up into the forefront. So much like you're doing, so we can get some actions out there. Uh, Timothy, I, I really appreciate you coming on and hanging out and sharing your wisdom here. Um, if we, if folks want to learn more about what uh, about the ransom report, about what you're doing here in Wisconsin, or, or you know, or, or, or anything else about about you, where should I send them to? My office. I uh, okay. this is an office that serves the people of Wisconsin. I am the 59th rep, and that's my priority, my focus. However, if they're a resident of the state, I'd be honored to help them with any Wisconsin-based questions. Uh, my ransom reports are national and international. And I say that because I don't care where you live. Essentially, if you want to be on my e-update, give my office a call. If you want to see my ransom reports, subscribe to one of the three channels. My office phone number is area code 608-266-9175. And you can call at 24-7-365, leave a message if no one answers. And usually in the evening and on weekends, nobody will answer. Otherwise, somebody will answer, and we try to get back to everybody with an update uh, that we received your message and thank you for calling kind of thing, and I try to do that personally. And I make a few calls once in a while myself where I'll reach out to constituents who called into my office, thank them for their time and their, uh, their expression, and even the constructive ones. Um, and I get a few of those, not many, <laughs> you know, maybe 1% or 2% out of 100%. Um, across the nation, which is tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people. So a lot of interest in this topic nationally um, and uh, and internationally as well, to be honest with you. They're watching, yeah, they're watching the United States and they're watching the state of Wisconsin very closely right now. And uh, I'll tell you, Tracy, if, if, if I was in this for anything like optics or look at me, look at me stuff. Right. Crap. Uh, it, the the people the, my colleagues should see the opportunity to soar like an eagle and become part of history if they really wanted to look good to the people they would get on this resolution and say let's go uh, I just say that because I'm not in this for anything other than to get it done so right. uh, whatever happens happens let his will be done 
I hear you, uh, man. Yeah. And let's, let's hope it does get done. You can expect me to uh, be reaching out to some of the folks that represent me and in my area for making those calls. And I'm going to get a couple of minutes on their calendar as well to jump on that. So thank you for that idea. Timothy, thank you again for taking the time out of your, uh, what I know has to be a busy day to, uh, to hang out with us. I definitely appreciate you. I would honestly tell you, Tracy, that today you were the highlight of my day. I want to thank you for your time and for your show, what you do and, and don't stop. Cause I'll tell you what, leaving people in the dark and misinforming them on truth and or misleading them from the truth. You, you won't let that happen and neither will I. So it takes people like us to make sure that the right and good things happen. So thank you for what you do. It's an honor to be on the same team with you. And I look forward to seeing you again and talking with you in the future. All right. And you definitely will. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Bye now. All right. Bye-bye. All right, my Dark Horse friends and family. There you have it. Mr. Timothy Rantham dropping passion-filled bombs on it today. What resonated with you? What ideas did you come away with? Let me share a few thoughts that uh, that's kind of resonated with me. Thought number one, have a passion to serve. Right out of the gate, uh, Timothy reminded us that he has... And we need to have a passion to serve. He walked us through his story, all outlining his passion to serve from and through the first four and a half decades in the, uh, the private sector, always wanting to be on the business side, facing the customer or consumer so he could best serve them. Finally taking his service further, which led to being elected to the school board to the point of even being the past president of one of the school boards and onto his current position in the state assembly. Everyone out there should be using their lives and their companies uh, to serve in the best way they know how, the best way they are capable. Serve your family. Serve those in your sphere of influence. Then serve to grow and positively impact those outside your sphere of influence. I want to go a little deeper on this on episode 285, Reasons Why Entrepreneurs Should Use Their Companies to serve others. Thought number two, right person, right role. Yeah, whether it's your business, your relationships, or whom you elect into a position of governorship in your city, your county, your state, or your nation, you need to be sure you need to be sure to be putting in place the right person for the right role. Now, I've seen uh, people in Dreamike time in corporate America that were doing super good, super well in their current position, and they would get promoted, and they would do good again, and they'd get promoted again, and then this would continue until they faltered. The sad thing is they would end up being in a position that they were no longer good at, right? And what happens is the team suffers, the company potentially suffers. It's almost like they ended up matriculating to the point of incompetency, right? Um, and here's the really sad part. Most will not go back to the previous role or to the right role where they were the right person for that role. They will stay in that position of incompetency and make everyone around them work harder. How many times have you seen this happen in business, uh, maybe even in relationships, right? Or, or 
well, worse yet, in politics. Uh, I'm going to chat a bit more about this one in episode 286, Put the Right People in the Right Roles. Thought number three, be willing to do it your damn self. During his campaign, Tim went out there and knocked on six so was it 6,200 plus doors? May have been more than that. Don't quote me. All right. And he did those all himself. Now, most folks, they hire a team to get out there and do door knocking for them. Tim got out there and did it himself. How many of you are willing to get off your duff, off your asses and do that kind of work in order to reach your goal? Hmm? Even at the possibility of not reaching it. Now, if you're still listening and you are right now. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. I'm guessing you are one of those motivated people that raised their hand and said, well, I am, of course. And man, God love you. But if you're not willing to get up off your ass and beat the streets to attain your goal and the goals of those that you serve, perhaps you're not the right person for the right role like we just talked about. Hmm? That's a question that you're going to have to ask and, and answer honestly to yourself. You have to be willing to do the work yourself first. Then later, you earn the privilege of hiring someone to do it for you. And thought number four, stick to your guns. Tim referred to this as unwavering. I say stick to your guns, stick to your convictions and principles. Have that unwavering conviction that Tim mentioned. But in order to do this, you're going to have to take the time to know what they are, right? <laughs> Duh, right? You're going to have to know who you are, what you stand for, what you believe in, and, and really what you will do for what you stand for and what you do not believe in. And I think that's a piece that a lot of folks miss. They know what they do believe in, but they don't always take the time to know what they don't believe in. Like, I don't believe in that topic right there. They don't even, they don't even address that. And I think it's, that's a big missing piece. And I'm not talking about going out there and tearing up the streets because you're upset about this issue or that issue or that whatever's happened in, in your life. I'm talking about you staying loyal to who you are, staying strong in your convictions and beliefs and doing everything right within your power to ensure those convictions and beliefs are represented in everything you do, everything Thing you say and everyone you choose to be allowed within your sphere of influence. And trust me when I say, when you hire someone to represent you or your company or whom you elect to represent you at any level of governmentship, right? They should hold those same values true or you're handing over your company, your city, your county, your state, or your country to those that do not believe the same way you do. All right, what inspiring tips, thoughts, or ideas resonated with you today? Whatever they were, take some time as soon as you can. Right now would be a really good time, but if you're driving, I get it. All right, maybe you're running down the road jogging. Um, uh, if you can't do it right now, I understand, but it's taking time to write them down. Whatever they were, take the time today after you write them down and then get out there and put them into action. Go out there, 
run your race, get your results, and then let me hear about them. That's right. You heard me. I want to hear about them. Send me an email, Tracy at darkhorseschooling.com. Share the tips or ideas that you came away with, how you put them into action, and what results that you gained from them. Heck, probably even get you on the show and let you share your story. Now, our next interview guest is going to be Stacy Rasky. Now, Stacy is a personal, she's a best-selling author. She's a speaker. She's a podcast host. She's an Iraqi war veteran. She's a badass biker chick, a boundaries expert, a leadership mentor, an authenticity alchemist, a success consultant, an influence activator, and a legacy builder. You are going to want to hear not only her story, but her sage advice. Now, I know you want to keep getting all these valuable tips and inspirational stories from the folks I'm lucky enough to bring on this show. So please go on down there, hit that subscribe button. And while you're there, leave us a five-star rating. Yeah, why not, right? Uh, And write us a quick review. Of course, do not keep all this entrepreneurial G-O-L-D all to yourself. Share this podcast with other entrepreneurs and business owners you know would get value from it. And with that, I'm going to leave you as I always do. Think successfully and take action. Thank you for listening to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out at www.darkhorseschooling.com. All right. My name is Tracy Brinkman.